Good evening. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step four, and our speaker tonight is Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. Take it away. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Victoria. I'm a recovered compulsive reader and insulin manipulator in Miami. I, you know, it was so funny when I was asked if I could give service at this meeting, I was like, okay, when, when's available? And it's like, how about next week? And I was like, oh, that's sooner than I thought. But you know what? I think it was just perfect because um, I really wasn't sure what I could add. You know, I, I just really wasn't sure what I could say that's not in the instructions. But then I remembered that a lot of times me hearing somebody give their experience, strength and hope gives context to these instructions and brings into life what, you know, reading the paragraph versus trying to put it into action can look like. Um, and step four is a really cool place because it, I mean, it's not that there's no action taken before you get to step four. Um, I think there's actions that have to be taken in line with our first three steps. Um, but it's when it's the first one that's really like, let's get this out of our head because my head is the problem. Let's get it onto paper. Let's get it. Let's really get this into my heart. Um, and I want to talk about just go through the text a little bit. This is what I'm thinking. I don't know. What I'm thinking is I would go through the text a little bit and talk about some of my favorite parts and then talk about some of the inventories I've done recently. Um, because even though if people might consider that step 10, like step 10 comes from the fact that we do step four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then keep doing it all over. And then and then we have our step 11 where we review it with we, we review it and see what we could do better tomorrow. And then we move into step 12 when we turn our attention to helping someone else. So it's a really big component um, of this program. And it's funny because I can never run out of these to do like I don't know. And what do I even know? I actually. A couple, of, a couple of weeks from now is going to be three years since I went to my first OA meeting. It was really beautiful. Um, and I forgot to start my timer, which is dumb, but whatever. I know Leslie's got me. But um, I wasn't going to spend much time on qualification, but I just, I will say that because this happened today, um, I got like one of those reminders where my phone was like, here's where you were three days ago. Um, and I was in Utah with my aunt. Um, I had a conference in Salt Lake City that I was going to for work. And my aunt and I were going to meet and go hiking in Moab, Utah, like where the Arches National Park is. And like, it was so special. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, that was a beautiful moment. This is before I really had contact with a higher power that I would consider, like really before I even was interested in anything. I, I was going to say anything spiritual, but really anything before I was interested in anything that wasn't me, <laughs> I would say is really more accurate. But I was looking at these pictures and thinking, wow, I was that was a lucky trip to be on. But then I also remember like, that's true. I really value those experiences. I don't wish that I didn't have them. But then I remembered that it was about two weeks before I went to my first OA meeting, before shit got really bad, really well, before I had come to accept that things had gotten really bad. And I remember during that trip, my my aunt's a nurse and I remember trying so hard not to eat things that I thought she'd disapprove of because I'm diabetic and she would know like what was a good thing or a bad thing to eat. And then like 
dosing my insulin and telling her, I'll be fine. I always do this, um, which was kind of true, but also kind of not. And then I went to the conference after I had been doing that in front of her. And I, I mean, I just, I didn't know that it was called a binge because that's just how I live. But like, I was binging the entire time during this conference that I was presenting at, like it should have been, it should have been a highlight of my professional career to be like, oh, I'm I'm 26 and I'm presenting at this national conference and everybody's coming up after and telling me how great I did. And I, I missed my flight to go back home because I ordered so much food to the hotel room. And then my blood sugar was so crazy that I kept getting up in the middle of the night to check it. And then I overslept and missed my flight home. And my, the person I was sharing the room with, um, they woke up and they were like, what are you still doing here? I was like, oh yeah, I missed my flight. I got to take another one back. And I didn't think that that was unmanaged. I remember coming into program people being like, so is your life unmanageable? I'm like, no, I don't think so at all. Like, <laughs> I don't think so at all. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that was a beautiful trip that I was reminded of today. And it was really cool because I also had a memory of the desperation of just like how bad things were. And I can be appreciative of that time. I'm really appreciative that I had that experience. It was beautiful to go hiking in those national parks, to spend that time with my aunt, to give, to have the opportunity to give that talk at that conference. Um, I'm going to that conference for the first time in a couple of weeks uh, because it hasn't happened since 2019 because of COVID. And it's crazy that I like just to think of how much has changed. Like, I'm not worried about missing my flight for that reason. Maybe who knows what will happen, but I'm not worried about missing my flight for that. I'm not worried about getting sick because I overdosed my insulin or I binge ate in the hotel room or um, people telling me, hey, you're only supposed to take one candy at the exhibitor booth <laughs> like instead of me filling up my bag with like, you know, while the person's talking to me and just taking all the starbursts and put they're like, OK, you're not five years old. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. So anyway, that happened today. And it's just a really it's a really big miracle that I'm grateful for. And I guess now I'll turn my attention to step four, which is um, a big reason why I feel like um, I can continue to have this miracle by taking these inventories. So what they tell us is that we need to be fact finders. Um, and on this is on 64. It tells us first we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Um, which sounds pretty harsh, right? <laughs> it sounds pretty harsh to be like, oh yeah, let's find out everything that's wrong with you. But the fact is something is wrong with me. It is not normal that I respond. Like something is, I have a malady. And it says when I start to take steps to repair this spiritual malady as it's set up in my soul, like my mental and physical state will strain out also. Um, but we have to get down to those causes and conditions. So I don't know what this is in reference to, but I have this written at the top of 65. I think it's talking about when we're writing down our cause in the resentment inventory, um, it says, I, I have written column two, not looking for sympathy, looking for the solution, <laughs> because I think it's really, really useful to know that when we have a resentment and then we write down the cause, like, why am I resentful at this person or principal? Um, they say we were usually as definite as this example, which I take to mean like, you don't need to write more than this is what I take it to mean. Like you, you, and I have sponsees a lot of times that are like, well, the reason I'm resentful is because, you know, six years ago, this person did this and this person did that. And this, and I'm super, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge any way that people want to tell the story. I'm telling you because I know how badly I want to tell the story, 
the story does not help me solve anything. The story is me looking for people to pat my head and say like, stay in that hole, stay in that hole. How is it down there? You know, oh, I feel so bad for you. And you know what? Some of some of you on this line, I have called you looking for sympathy. You have given it to me. Some of you, I have called you and you have refused to, or some of you have said, I did that the last three times and I'm not doing it anymore. And I appreciate all of it, right? Because it's not up to what the voice says on the other line to do this work. It's really up to me when I've had enough suffering. Um, and hopefully I will learn as it continues. Hopefully I will learn that the less suffering, the less suffering to tip me into the action, the better. Um, but when I want to tell the story, I want everybody to know, let's set the stage. Here's all the bells and whistles. That's not what it's about. The, the, I have to look for the pattern. Let me uncover what pattern is this reason that I'm resentful coming at for me. It's always two things. It's, I, I don't think it's, I'm sure maybe tomorrow I'm going to have one that maybe I think is in a third category or something for saying this, but it's always someone didn't do what I wanted them to do. How dare they, right? Or I am not, I'm not able, or I'm not able to do what I think I should be able to, something where I'm judging myself because I think I've, I'm not me measuring up to my own standards. Um, those are the resentments that I usually have. Um, so yeah, you get to write down everything that you're pissed about. That's great. Get it out. But this is not the pity party. This is not the like time to indulge any more than you would go to a museum and be like, wow, I have a lot of anger and emotion about this exhibit on ancient Egypt. And I mean, maybe somebody does have a very passionate interest in ancient Egypt. I'm not trying to say that, but like, I would never go to a museum exhibit I might be like, yeah, I'm not interested or yeah, I am very interested, but I wouldn't, I, I don't think my normal reaction would be like, God, whoever put all this shit in here is so stupid. You know, <laughs> like, it's just not something I say that stuff to myself. Is that 10 Leslie? Perfect. Awesome. I heart you back. Um, and I just think that I have to approach it of like, let's just see what's there. Let me, let me go to my closet and count how many shirts, how many pants, how many belts. Like it's not, it's not about the drama, which you would think we want to avoid the drama, but I always want to go into more drama because if I have to look bad, then I want you to know why it's reasonable that I am resentful, fearful, and, you know, causing harm. Um, but on 66, is it 66 that we're talking about? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, so on 66 at the bottom, it says, we began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing, other, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, that means if I made it up or it actually happened, had power to actually kill. So this is what's telling me, this is what is killing me, is that I can't deal with life when I'm, when I'm upset about something, whether it's really happened or whether I made it up. I had a lot of things that were made up. Um, and it's killing me. And so I knew this has to be mastered, but how? Because I'm just as powerless over these resentments and fears as I am my substance that we talked about in step one. So then it talks, um, it talks to us about how we, you know, we ask our higher power to remove those. But it tells us that the real thing is again getting down to the solution. Where is my part? And that's on 67. So referring to our list again. 
putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? That is, I feel like I should get that tattooed on my forehead because it's so easy to forget, like in a moment's notice that that's what my problem is. But it's also super easy. There's only four things that are my problem. <laughs> like it's really, it's actually really cool. There's only four things and it's, you know, being uh, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful. And I don't know about you, but I'm really glad it's only four problems instead of like 75 because I'd be super screwed, you know? Um, what I like about that. So, so we get down to that and we have to just be honest. Like we don't have to be like, well, I don't know, I guess maybe it was selfish when, and I always say to people, it doesn't have to be like the definition of selfish that you grew up in English class, like thinking about, it doesn't mean oh, I should have been helping my brother like my mom asked. And instead I decided to sneak out and go to the movies. Like, sure, that would be an example, but it doesn't have to be like that. It's anytime I want something, literally anytime I say I want or I wanted, that is, that's big book selfishness. Anytime I have an expectation for the world to work a certain way, that's a misrepresentation of reality because I'm powerless. I'm not in control. The world is not mine. I'm not the star. All of these things are things that I have misrepresented in reality. I've misrepresented the reality of that is dishonesty. I don't have, I've had people say, well, I didn't tell a lie. I told the person that I hated their guts. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that was kind, but that wasn't the dishonesty. The dishonesty is you were operating in a delusion that this person has to do what you want right? That's where the dishonesty is. Nice. You know, if you told a lie, yes, that absolutely applies. But that to me, um, there's almost nothing I could, I can think of almost nothing where those two things don't apply because that's my whole problem is thinking I'm in charge of stuff I'm not in charge of. Um, but then it talks about fear. And I know a lot of people talk about this in, in detail. And so fear comes into the resentment inventory by looking for that fearfulness and where we were frightened. But then we also comes into the fear inventory. Um, and I love this word. It says it's set in motion trains of circumstance, which brought us misfortune. We felt we didn't deserve. So there's things that I'm thinking are unfair that actually I have caused or made more painful for myself. So that's when it says, did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Um, and my fears, you know how I was telling you, there's usually like two resentments that I have. There's really only two fears that I have. They, I mean, there's multiple, but they really come down to I'm <laughs> being confronted with my powerlessness and not wanting, like being like, oh my gosh, there's so much uncertainty and I'm fearful. Oh, right. Because you're not accepting that you're powerless. You're relying on your finite self. You're realizing you don't have power. And then that's really scary. Well, solution find some power that's not finite, find some infinite power to rely on instead. The other fear I have is that I'm not good enough. That's the other one that comes up, that, that comes up in all these things. I'm inadequate. I'm a terrible person. People don't like me. I'm going to get fired, right? Like all of these things, it comes up in all these ways, like different, different flavors with same, like same recipe. And it is, that one is, my fear that I'm not good enough, which is again, relying on my finite self to determine what I should be. It's not, it's not my job to say, Victoria, you should be this way. And anytime you fall short of what we think you should be, aka perfection, which 
I'm using air quotes because I guess recording people can't see that. I used air quotes because perfection is not a real thing. And um, what am I trying to say with that? But yeah, that's the other thing that I have fear around is not being good enough. Well, what's good enough? That's when I'm just, that's when I'm relying on my definition of what's good enough, of a human conception of what's good enough to also have that relieved. I'm going to need to ask my higher power to remove it and turn my attention to what I think they would have me be relying on infinite power. Sometimes what that looks like is minding my own business. Sometimes that's like, um, it's not your job to decide how you should be because you're not in charge of the universe yet again, right? So even those two fears sort of converge on that, oh yeah, I'm powerless, right? Like I've forgotten that I'm powerless and that I'm not the star of the universe for however many milliseconds. Um, I wanna just check in and say, Leslie, could you give me just like how much time there is left? Like more or less, up oh, you're muted. Three minutes and 34 seconds. Okay, great. So with that time, what I will do is this is, I'll give you the short version and happy to talk with anybody on outreach if you want more details. But some of you know that I had an ex um, partner who died by suicide a few years ago, and it was a very tough experience to go through. Um, my current partner that I live with has been dealing with severe depression for a long time, and it has it had brought up a lot of fear and resentment for me in our relationship, as well as just being terrified of like history repeating itself and saying, you know, even these thoughts like I can't survive this again, or what if they harm themselves and I'm the person who finds them. And I, I'm not telling you this to be like, to, I'm not telling you this to tell you my sob story. I'm telling you this because I had, I was doing, I was telling my sob story for so long and I needed to start looking for the solution. Um, I had told, I had told so many people how scared I was and they said, oh, that's hard. Trust your higher power. But I was doing the same 10th step, the same quick spot check inventory and over and over and over again for months. Um, I knew where I was selfish. I knew where I was dishonest and nothing was changing. Um, and so I needed to do a more in-depth inventory, a very thorough inventory on all these things that had been accumulating. So I just want to share with you some of the things that I noticed from my resentment and fear inventory, and then I will wrap up with that. So um, for me, a lot of my selfishness was I wanted my boyfriend to follow my script. I wanted him to go to therapy. I wanted him to go to therapy more. I wanted him to go on walks with me so that he wouldn't be as depressed. I wanted him to want to eat healthy and not drink alcohol as much, right? Like all of these things that seem that I thought I was like, look how much I'm helping you. It's like, it seems really unkind for me to say, oh, I know you're having a hard time. It's also very uncomfortable for me, right? So that was some selfishness there. Um, I also, there, also there's lots, I'm just sharing a few things uh, from my journal on this, just so you know, this isn't the only thing, but um, disregarding the facts was my dishonesty. So lots of ways. So this is, this is something he's going through and I'm making it my problem and my sob story. I've, I'm trying to make myself the star in, in his suffering, right? Which is like, not only selfish, but also very dishonest because that's not true. No, nobody asked me to be, to cast myself as martyr. Nobody asked me, all that was asked of me was to be a loving girlfriend if I could. And if not, 
to deal with that honestly, right? Like nobody, nobody asked, he never said, never leave me. He never said, if this, if this is too much for you, I'll die. You know, he never said any of those things. He never, like, he never said, I would really love if you micromanage my entire diet and exercise plan, um, as well as contacted my therapist, right? Like no one told me to take on these roles. And yet I was like, I'm going to be super girlfriend. We're going to beat this thing. It's going to be great. And, and when it wasn't those expectations, that misrepresentation of reality, looks like I'm out of time. So I'm going to wrap up. No, yeah, okay, you got 30 seconds. Okay, great. Um, the other dishonesty is I really saw this, the resentment that I really had towards the universe was like, why are you making this my problem? And this is really hard. Like, I know I'm sharing it like sort of quickly, but it's really hard for So because in a way it does feel like it did feel like a really painful thing to experience. It, I mean, that pain was real. It was not made up. It was not for attention. It was, but it wasn't serving me sitting there. It wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere by me wallowing in it. Um, and it was brought to my attention that this, that the person that was making it a problem was me. Nobody else was like, Hey, Victoria, here's a problem. Thank you, my dear. I will wrap up. Um, I think some of the fears are probably somewhat obvious, but I was interestingly, and, and when I think of this, we're driven by a hundred forms of fear. <laughs> and I was afraid of both being abandoned, um, being powerless and abandoned in this tough situation. I was also very fearful of being trapped, that things would never change, that it would always be in this state. And what that shows me is I don't know what I want. I am afraid no matter what, unless I turn to a power greater than myself. Um, because how can I be afraid of two opposites? Like how, how can I, in the same situation, how can I be afraid of literally everything? It's because I'm depending on finite self. So I hope that was helpful to somebody and I will pass. I'd love to hear what people think. Thank you. Sorry, Betty. Hey, Betty, can you try to unmute yourself again? Okay, sorry. Okay, should I start over? Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step, step four being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep this meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Uh, when, okay, here we go. Who would like to share? No raised hands, people. There we go. Oh, hold on. Okay, go ahead, CJ. Hi, everybody. CJ, um, anorexic, bulimic, compulsive overeater, gratefully living in a recovered state today. Victoria, um, that was that was so clearly explained I love the way you explained it and I just the things that I can relate to um that really made a lot of sense to me I I 
I have better four step stories about what I did wrong. <laughs> four steps. Um, and and the last year, kind of doing the big book step study, um, really like lit up lit me up with what the four step is supposed to be. And kind of what what I related to, what I got out of your share was like the the stories, the lies um, that I would tell myself that kept me in the mental twist of all this should happen as I think it would. Um, like telling the whole story about about the first chat. Um, I would even play scripts of what somebody would say, what I would say, um, making up stories about what they were doing. It was never a positive thing too. Like I never looked at it positively and needing to justify it to somebody um, and telling the story. And kind of what I realized this time around is the storytelling that I would do in the four steps in the past would like feed the mental twist. Like uh, there was no solution to it. It would just cut, keep the mental twist going and going and going. And that when I really followed the directions of the four step with my sponsor, it's the thing that led me to self-acceptance. Like there wasn't, I had done the work of having a loving higher power. I had done the work of, of admitting that I'm powerless and my life is not manageable. I cannot manage my life. And that, um, with that, I had a higher power that truly loved me, and I could look at the parts of my part in it without the self-bonding, without getting in my higher power's way. And it even made, like, the amends, like, the moving into the rest of the steps, the, the amends I needed to make. Some of the amends I made, made in the past were lame because I was still doing the storytelling stuff and still doing the justification stuff. And, like, it really led to an amends that, that, that really opened the door for what my higher power, the amends my higher power wanted me to make, not the ones that I that I thought I was supposed to make. So I just, I love the clarity of that, of the fourth step really for me is about self-acceptance and looking looking honestly at myself in humility, not not better than, not less than. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks for that. Hey everybody, I'm gonna call on myself, I'm Meredith, um, compulsive overeater in Nashville. And um, thank you, Victoria. I might, it might be hard for me to verbalize this, but kind of along the lines with um, our last sharer, um, those levels of honesty, I mean, it is very, hard to see that I guess that's why the steps are in order um and it, going through the steps this time this is what paralyzed me um at the fourth step because I was it was dawning on me that I was so married to a narrative um that was I mean, on some levels, yeah, it was true, but it wasn't my identity. I was just framing my identity in how I, it was like in the context of my mother's and my relationship. And um, that's where it is dishonest. I have, I have no idea what's going on in her head, in her life, um, but I was happy to tell everybody who crossed my path um, what she did to me and how it affected me. And, oh, it's exhausting to think about now. I'm so, so glad, um, 
then I'm not lugging it around anymore. But uh, it was it was hard. That was hard to let that go. It had, you know, um, crawled up and made itself a home in my heart. Um, that and also I'm starting to do 10 steps and there's, um, I'm following a form. I don't know if a lot of you use it or not. Um, I don't even know where it came from, but it is one of the things on there says, um, you know, I think this, but the truth is, you know, I, you know, I may think, um, my mother is X, Y, and Z up in New York. You know, the truth is I have no idea. I have no idea what she, what she's feeling, what she's thinking. And it sounds like I'm harping on my mother right now. I'm just, she was at the front of my brain to use as an example. <laughs> really, I really promise I'm not consumed with her. Um, but it's like, oh, I can't remember the example you used, but it's, it was that formula. Like, um, I thought this, but the truth is, it's usually, I just don't know. Um, so I, Thanks, Leslie. I just like that process of letting go. It feels really good. So I will pass. And then uh, Nancy B is up. Wait. Okay. Hi, Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. I've been to this meeting uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, very unusual. I, events conspired and I was free at the appropriate time. So I've heard three. Um, three different presentations of the fourth step and all were really good. Um, but my, um, my opinion about the fourth step is that it's um, not that significant. It's a way for me to organize my thinking and, um, and not much else. And I consider it kind of a windup and the pitch is the fifth step. And my job isn't to see the patterns. My, it's my sponsor's job. I mean, that's what I, I always ask my sponsees, what do you, you see in these patterns? That's what was asked of me. And I was like, no, cause I was crying. <laughs> no, I don't see any patterns, no, you know? And, <laughs> um, and they always see like whatever they see. And I always say the same thing about everything. Cause this is what I think the patterns that, that compulsive overeaters have. The patterns are that everything comes down to fear. And fear is the reason it's this evil and corroding threat is because it steals the future from us and the present. And everything is gonna be, everything that I was afraid of was either, either hadn't happened yet or had already happened. And my sponsor said to me, the only one, do you notice any parents? No, you know, well I do, you know, she was like so not emotional about this. And she said, everything that you're afraid of is either already happened or hasn't happened yet. The only one that knows what's in the future is God. Do you think you're God? And I always say this, I, significant pause, and I grudgingly admitted no. And, um, and that's what I realized is that, no, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, what I found was that what I believe today in, in any inventory that I do for myself or any sort of examination that I do that what I want to do is I want to expose my fears because I disagree with the idea that we're driven by a hundred forms of fear. I think we're driven by like six forms of fear 
and it manifests itself and expresses itself as a hundred different kinds of resentments. So to, to like chum up the water so that we can't see clearly that it's fear that's, or that I can't see clearly that it's fear that's driving me. And once I got to that and I, and I figured out what my fears are, which it's like an open book. We all have the same fears, right? We're afraid of human things, not getting enough, not having enough, someone taking something from us, losing something, other people's opinions and abandonment. And then spiders and snakes or heights and roller coasters or whatever, you know, your own little ones. And um, so once I realized that it was fear that was driving me and expressing itself with all these resentments, all the resentments went away, almost all of them went away. And when I get like irritated, I ignore the irritation and I think about what I'm, what I'm afraid of. And I realize like my thinking, my actual thinking inside my skull has changed. I don't sit in fear anymore because I don't need to. I have something else that does all the work for me, right? Why would I want to like boil my laundry, wring it out by hand and schlep it out to a, to a clothesline in the winter when I can put it in the wash with a half a cup of Tide and press on? Like, why would I want to do that? So I have this thing that takes care of everything and still leaves me clean and fresh smelling, you know, like, like you know, like, That's time, oh, Nancy. you know, so I really feel like step four is mostly a way to, for me to get the ick out of my life. And um, it's the wind up and the pitch is the fifth wind up in six pitch in seven wind up in eight pitch in nine. And that's it. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, Lisa, you're up. Hi, Lisa, compulsive overeater. Um, I too have heard uh, three sessions of the fourth step. I don't think I can ever hear enough at this meeting. It's so great. Um, you know, not to copy Nancy, but everything for me comes down to fear so that when I have to figure out, like this is typical of 10th step, I'll have to go, okay, it's fear. And then I'll go, but where's my selfishness? Okay, it's fear, but where's my design? So I go backwards. I like know it's all fear. And then I can like think about the other things because um, that's what I've noticed it boils down to. And so um, it's convenient. <laughs> it's a convenient method for a quick tent. Um, I like, I can't remember. Uh, the speaker said something about how, oh, I know. Things can be in more than one, you know, fear, resentment, you know, selfishness, dishonesty. It can be in more than one section because everything's fear for me, right? So the, the dishonesty is that I'm thinking that you're thinking this or the um, fear of the selfishness is I'm not going to get what I want. And so I have to kind of like overlap my, because <laughs> it's all the same. That's why. Anyway, um, that's really, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful I found this meeting. That's it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lisa. Anybody else up for a share? Ah. There you go, Liz. Thank you, Meredith. Um, Victoria, thank you so much. That was really great because it was just like the way my brain needed to hear it just kind of step by step it's in the book it's all right there but you made it more personal and um 
I guess I loved what you said, how an expectation is a misrepresentation of reality. Oh my gosh, I hit that every single day, every day. And um, I'm wondering if you could talk about during like the fourth step, how you kind of like the sex inventory where you ask higher power to mold your ideals. Um, did you did you have any certain way that you did that? And I know you you were talking about you know having a new relationship. Um, yeah, like I'm just wondering if you could talk about how how you ask to get your ideals molded and is it really quick? Have did you have to work on that for a while? Okay. And I just want to make sure, is it specifically like with the sex ideal or ideals in general? Um, in, in my head, maybe I'm, I'm remembering wrong. I thought that the molding the ideals was just for the sex inventory, but. Okay. No, I just, yeah, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure. And actually I, um, I don't know. I don't know if you, I, I talked about step four, um, either I might have been two cycles ago it was earlier this year and I talked a lot about the sex inventory so if you want it I, I maybe we can source up that recording in case that's the reason I didn't go into it so much today but I think that probably gets at um like more in detail of what you're asking but what I will say is I completed the inventory um and looking at the patterns what I did was I, all of the answers to what should I have done instead, or where was I responsible, basically taking the, what should I have done instead? What are the principles behind those answers? Um, putting them all in one area and sort of formulating what do I think my higher power would have me be in a sexual or romantic relation and or romantic relationship, but also other relationships like uh, friendship was a principle that came up or like just consideration because I was very inconsiderate of people and like something I'm laughing because I'm like how, shouldn't that be simple uh, to be considerate and yet it wasn't obvious to me that I should try to do that 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 might be an ideal and so then I was able to do some drafting of that um, based on the principles under each of the answers to what should I have done instead um, so if that helps make sense and I think I read part of my ideal from that inventory in the podcast that was that was just linked um since we're almost done with the recording I'll open it and see if I can get ah the Nate or let's see it's January 25th 2022 in case anybody wants to look it up so that it's on the recording thanks <laughs> 